0: You got this. Adidas. God. I look at what he does and where he's going to line up. This is a guy that, to me, has all the opportunity in the world to be the wide receiver 1.1. 1. 1. Always
1: connect on those deep passes like they did last year. I'm like a centrist. Three catches, 40 yards, zero touchdowns. Then he goes nuclear, yeah, he just 10 right. targets, two two 201 yards, four touchdowns. That's the greatest hit I've ever seen. This is Reception Perception, the show. Oh. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: let's talk about a guy that just went absolutely freaking ballistic down the stretch in Amon Ross Saint Brown this is a dude who as a rookie came out the gates really slow uh, and then there was kind of there's kind of a storyline I think Matt and I think it's fair to say that Amon Ross Saint Brown pr- maybe not that great of a player uh, but just did went crazy in fantasy because there was literally no other pass catching options that's what the haters would say haters about- Yes, about Amon Ross St. Brown. I am not in that camp. And I know RP and your charting probably says that you're not in that camp as well.
1: Yeah, man, I I called um, Amon Ross St. Brown like a Bud Light Cooper Cup in his pre-draft profile, and then he ends up getting drafted by a former Rams front office guy and the team with the former Rams quarterback in the Detroit Lions, (laughs) and I I still feel like when you look at his RP profile, we talked about Cooper Cup earlier, they look really, really similar. Um, I think he's still Bud Light Cooper Cup, you know, I mean – And I maybe, I don't know. I like Michelob Ultra better than Bud Light, but that's another discussion for our sponsorship at some point. But (laughs) um, I I think that Michelob, Mick Ultra, Cooper Cup, Amon Ross, St. Brown, good God. All right. Anyways, point being here, he plays that like, not traditional X receiver role, right? I mean, when you look at Amon Ross, St. Brown in his game sampled for reception perception, 70.5% of his snaps in the slot and was off the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage on 80% of his routes. Again, that's very Cooper cup esque. And what do you know? He faced zone coverage on 67% of his routes. And he added an 80.5% success rate versus zone coverage. Like that's good. It's not the that's typical, good. like we said before, Success rate versus man coverage has been a really important indicator, you know, for breakout receivers. I'm on Ross St. Brown's not that guy. Now, he's not like bottom barrel of the league. He's a 21st percentile, but he's not that traditional X receiver beater. But the more, like we said, Josh Scott's article on the website, definitely check it out. It's, it's free if you want. If you want it, you can check it out. You you see that the more players line up in the slot, the more they line up off the line of scrimmage, the more important their success rate versus zone coverages. So I want to be buying this archetype of player, the Bud Light Cooper Cup archetype of player, these slot receivers who get a lot of layup targets. And let's just break down the argument. So we know I think he's a good player. There there we go. I, I do think he's a good player, and, and and that archetype of receiver I want to buy into. Let's break down the argument. You know the 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 anti Amon Ra St Brown argument. You know everybody yeah. wants to tell you. Well, he only got targets last year because everybody else was hurt. That's, you know, they were there were guys injured. Sure, they were. All, it was also a terrible wide receiver depth chart, and they've certainly it added was. guys in the position. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, yeah. yeah, we're talking like uh-huh. Cliff Raymond, <laughs> total goofballs. Um, but they were also giving Amon Ross St. Brown, and we see this with rookies after his bye week was starting to get a playing time bump, a routes run bump, a snaps yeah. bump. Um, all of that stuff is happening anyways. And the longer he played, the more they had him in this correct role. Like I did the midseason rookie report for uh, Amon Ross St. Brown on the website you know, before kind of his breakout. It's like they're having this guy run like deep routes. They're having him play too much outside like they need to get and they figured that out the longer he played. They figured out the player the longer they played and he was good and the team won. They were, you know, sort of. They were two and two down the stretch in the last four games right. and he was averaging 11 targets per game. And yeah, James, I'm on Ross St. Brown. The haters say this, they deliver this as if it's a, some, you know, revelation, a hammer nail that like, he's not going to average 11 targets per game like he did at the end of last season. Well, no shit. He's not going to average <laughs> 11 targets per game. That's why he's not going. He's not going in the second round in fantasy. Right. Drafts. He's going, it's like, right. He's consensus ranked like wide receiver 32. And I've got him ranked right. higher than that. Cause I, I believe in the player and I believe he's going to hold this roll down.
0: Yeah. uh Yeah. He's a wide receiver 26 overall. When you go to fantasy pros, uh, he's going with like a top 70 pick uh overall so you could you know in a 10 teamer, you're getting them seventh round in, in a 12 team you probably you know looking in the sixth um and again so that's kind of like that mid you know mid-round capital i think for a player that's again he was a freaking rookie last year you know actually let me ask you this man i'm curious right because um obviously he is a classic like rookie story right like rookie yeah. archetype wide receiver where rookie wide receivers they don't do well early on Um, And then as the season develops, oh my gosh, they really start taking off. Um, And that's exactly the storyline that we saw with Amon Ross Brown. So I'll ask you this. um, Do you recall when you charted his earlier games, did you see that improvement um, and that development as well? Or was it all again, was his production all just tied to volume? Or was it again, volume plus and we've talked about it a lot that you get volume because you're better you know what i mean because you're separating you earn those you earn targets. targets yep um so what did you see early season late season with amon rock
1: yeah he was getting better i mean some of it could be that they again they just figured out the role i'm telling you watching him you know for the mid season rookie report his the, he was running a nine route on 28 points I'm, I'm pulling up the route chart here from from this 28 20.8% 20. of his routes were nine routes which is crazy what, that's not what, that's is.
0: insane
1: by the end of his rp <laughs> what, sample in his, in his i know by the end of his <laughs> rp sample for Why'd the for that? the final results it was 12.2% well so that's there a huge drop off like he yes. was below the nfl average on nine routes you know his post route rate had come down his dig route rate had come down and you know which ones had gone up the slant, the flat, those layup routes, like the the screen route percentage, like that's what you want Amon Ross St. Brown to be doing. Yes. and overall that that bled into the success rates too. Like from a from a success rate versus coverage standpoint, he was not where he he was much better at the end of the season. So I agree. Like these rookies, it's it's on the. I think it's partly team, but it's also partly um, player. They the players get better and the teams figure these guys out more.
0: So. It's it's interesting to me when you compare Amon Ross St. Brown to another player archetype that I think is is similar to to what he does, and that's Hunter Renfro. Um, mm-hmm. and and it and it's it is always interesting to me when when you think about, and you kind of sort of like, and again, both of us we kind of live on Twitter, and you see what people are saying. You kind of get an idea of what you're crowdsourcing, kind of what the you know, um, the attitude is with some of yeah. these players, and man. Hunter Renfro, it's all just positive vibes, you know. Oh, Hunter Renfro (laughs) is a good player, you know. Oh, man, he's going to, you know, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Boy, man, the Raiders, they're going to do some things and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, and then when you talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, it's like, oh, flash in the pan. You know, everyone was injured. There's no, you know, you know what I mean? And of course, there are people who are stout, like staunch Amon Ross St. Brown enthusiasts as well. But it is kind of interesting that Amon Ross has become like this like polarizing player versus Hunter Renfro is this like, just like consensusly, like everyone just kind of, that's not even a word, but just everyone kind of (laughs) sort of like likes this guy, uh, Hunter Renfro. And then you look at, and again, and I'm always fascinated because you look at their numbers uh, in reception perception, and dude, they're so similar in terms of success success rate versus man coverage. Again, Hunter Renfro is at 63.7%. Amon Ross St. Brown is at 60.3%. Hunter Renfro was at 81.6% success rate versus Zone versus Amon Ross St. Brown, who was 80.4. So very similar in terms of what these guys do uh, and where they are successful as well. So I don't know. I, I find that to be interesting, man.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I really don't understand why St. Brown is polarizing at all. I, I don't get it. This is Reception Reception the Show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: I am one hundred percent ready to be hurt again by Brandon Ayuk. I- <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Oh uh, I- I feel bad, I, bro. I feel bad for you. Like me, I was hyping IUK and I, lo- I I was like, all right, I'm on board, man. Let's go. You know, here's, yeah. you know, and you know me, I'll, 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 I'll hype up any Pac-12 dude. I'm like, yeah, okay, here we go. Brandon, Ayuk. Yeah, it's, guy. it's, it's my guy. guy. I'm ready. I'm, 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 I'm soaking it in. I'm ready for him to take the leap, man. Um, and boy, I mean, it was a absolutely disastrous first half of the season, uh for Brandon Ayuk and I and I every single time he sucked <laughs> I just thought about my guy Matt Harvin, just somewhere crying into a beer man cuz boy oh boy that that one hurt dude that one hurt but I but this is the crazy thing Matt this is the crazy I'm ready to get hurt again let's do it in oh, yeah. 2022 let's <laughs> run it back
1: <laughs> well I mean I'll say this buddy I appreciate the concern <laughs> I don't question myself often uh-huh. Um, but I was like, wow, what is, like, <laughs> this, this Brandon, I, I was, I was in a dark place there for a minute because I mean, I knew it's like, I don't know what feels worse. Like just, that it, it I've gone so wrong or that I've told so many other people to, to follow me on this journey and it's gone so wrong. And you know, we had no, like there was. No inkling this was coming. None. You know, the whole dog oh my god
0: thing. None. And then it's None. it just
1: happens in week one, and and you're just on mega tilt about it. Um, oh there god. there's like two players in the NFL, Brandon Ayuk and Deontay Johnson. Were like I read just everything that their teams have to like say about them. <laughs> Every yeah. everything that Shanahan has ever said about Brandon Ayuk, I've read it. I've I've, I've <laughs> consumed those interviews <laughs> because it was so crazy what happened. Um. <laughs> However, James, the funny part is like from weeks eight on, he was a top 20 fantasy receiver. Yeah, he, was he was exactly what you drafted him to be. He finishes the season without even being like not an integrated in the offense at all in the first I seven know. games. And then he's a, a great, like, he's a good player to end the season, a pretty good, stable guy. Like, it's isn't it, that's the part that's crazy to me is that once he got on the field, once the whole doghouse thing was over, it, it was fine.
0: <laughs> um yeah you talk about his last eight games of the season very quietly very quietly brandon Ayuk averaged a rock solid 71.3 receiving yards per game obviously playoffs was uh, you know whatever the, the garoppolo just completely fell apart um yeah,
1: little shoulder uh
0: yeah he was he was in the dirt by the time the playoffs rolled around man he was done um so yeah i don't i don't take i I don't take any consideration into those playoff numbers but certainly the last eight games of the regular season 71 receiving yards per game that's 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 pretty solid man that is pretty solid so um so go through some of his numbers here for me because i i know they don't look great man i know they don't look great but it's just kind of like all right what what should we expect in 2022
1: so, yeah, Brandon Ayuk as a rookie, 75.7% success rate versus man. That's why we were so in because that's like guys who hit that number don't fail. Like they they almost never fail. These guys go on to be right. great <clears throat> players and produce big-time numbers. Um, and actually the funny thing is Brandon Ayuk, yeah, his, his success rate versus man coverage as a second-year player did fall a little bit. Some mm-hmm. of that was like the couple of games sampled during that doghouse era where it's just like, I don't even know what they're doing with him out there, they're just you know running him, you know, on nine routes, clear out routes, stuff like that. But zone route success rate went up, success rate versus press was uh was, was pretty solid from his rookie year. So, like, and he's still again, he's over that 70% success rate versus man number in his second season. That's what we want to see from our top level perimeter receivers, and that's the thing about Brandon Ayuk too. He's the ex-receiver for this team, lined up outside right. on eighty percent of his sampled routes, eighty-four percent on the line of scrimmage. Like he plays basically a totally different position from a guy like Debo Samuel, and that's one of the reasons I'm really bullish about Brandon Ayuk. Number one, the hype has been out of control on Ayuk. I mean, co- like teammates, media observers are all like, "This guy is the best player on the <laughs> roster, the best player in training camp," and more, I more know. importantly. The coaching staff is saying it, baby. Like Shanahan is, has said, like, Ayuk took last year and he handled it. Like, like I said, I've, I've read a, every, every single one of these transcripts. Like, Ayuk has <laughs> handled what happened to him last year and took it like a man. And he's come back faster, better, stronger. Yeah. Like, he's a true pro. He's doing everything that we want. And, yeah, he's like a, a freak show in training camp. You can't go a day without seeing a, an incredible Brandon Ayuk. I catch. He's got these – these crazy long arms where he's like Spider-Man plucking the ball away from good defenders in practice. So um, I think we're basically what I would say to you, James, what I say to myself in the mirror, when I wake up in the morning and <laughs> what I say to all the people that followed us on a last year, take what happened in weeks one <laughs> through seven last year and just throw it in the trash. Just pretend okay. it never, pretend it never happened because also you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. He's obviously out the door. They're you know yes. they're done with Jimmy. We're moving on to Trey Lance, and Brandon Ayuk is a Trey Lance quarterback. Like Lance is going to push the ball down the field. He's going to be an aggressive downfield <clears> passer. <throat> and when you look at Ayuk's route chart, out routes really high, comeback routes, post routes, dig routes. Like those are Trey Lance routes. They're Brandon Ayuk routes. They're not really Debo Samuel routes. And I, I'm I'm struggling with what to do with Debo because I want to push Ayuk up, and I. I don't know if that means I need to bring Debo down it does. a little bit. It does. It does. Do, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. I think it does.
0: But there's just not – look, there's just not enough volume, in my opinion. I think I don't think there's enough volume in the San Francisco offense to support uh, two great receivers. I think either they could – one of the outcomes is that they're both good, not great, which means you. If we're talking about just leveling that kind of like you know that level, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. means Ayuk is being undervalued right now, but that also means that Debo is way, way yeah. overvalued. Which that's the opinion that I have. I think that we're going to kind of see them kind of come a little closer together, yeah. if not even. And, and what that means is you're getting great value on Ayuk, who by the way right now is going around pick one hundred. So you're you're taking this guy in like the eighth round. Of a twelve yeah. teamer, you know what I mean? You're getting really good value, but man, you got to spend a high second round pick to go get Debo. Something's not something's not going to work here, you know. Yeah. Something's not going to work here. And if and if I had to choose, when we're talking about just straight up value, I'm not talking about who's the better player. I'm talking about straight up value in fantasy football. I see them a lot closer than the ADPs would suggest. Man, um, go ahead and give me the guy that's just that's way way more affordable in Brandon IU. And so yeah, I think that 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 gut feeling that you have of like, well, something's gotta move. I, you're you're wrong to something, man. That that is it. Yeah. I, I feel that hundred percent.
1: And we know Debo's a really unique player. Um, he was fifth last year in success rate versus zone coverage. He's he's a good player in reception perception. He's uh, – right. I wish another thing oh, – another thing I wish I did last year was just like take Debo's 2020 season and just throw that in the trash, man, because he was clearly banged up in like a Rondale Moore fake receiver role. You just should have <laughs> totally ignored that um, because his rookie season was great right. in RP, great zone beater last year. Just really different type of receiver, and I, I think the way that – Debo Samuel, I think he's the best slant route runner and the best dig route runner in the NFL. And that molds so well with Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, God God bless him. Jimmy will rifle the ball over the middle of the field in the short intermediate areas in zone coverage. He yeah. gets it picked off a lot. Like yes, those he does. Boneheaded <laughs> picks. But it also yes, gets Debo does. Samuel a ton <laughs> right. of catches. So their games really right. overlap. I, we'll see how that overlaps Trey Lance, but, and I do think Brandon, I, like that type of receiver, fits Trey Lance if he hits type of thing. But just you, I mean, James, you know, I'm a total, total, total psycho, um, and like I do all this work with reception perception, and then I turn around and do all my fantasy projections because I just yeah. guess I hate going outside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and I think this is this is the crux of the, the one of the, the crux of the Debo fantasy argument. I I think this the good part about the San Francisco offense is that that you can really keep a highly concentrated target percentage between Ayuk, Samuel and Kittle. I've got these guys for 66% of the total pass attempts in San Francisco, which is not, not a voluminous passing game by any means. Right. Especially now they have a mobile quarterback. They're not going to throw the ball very often, but nobody else is going to command targets in this offense. It's just going to be those three guys. But even with that, if you give Debo Samuel, no rushing work, he comes out to like wide receiver 19. Like that's, that's going to break your back. I actually think he needs rushing. I think he needs rushing work to keep, to get, come anywhere close Mm. to his ADP. Cause I've also got him for an 8% rushing share, which is it equals out to 39 carries for 266 yards and three touchdowns. That gives him, that pushes him closer to like wide receiver 10. So like I know there's but some still, thought out there. I mean,
0: but still a disappointment though.
1: Yeah, right? no, I, I agree. I agree. But I just think there's a narrative out there that, and it's true because, you know, this, this is uh what I've seen the people say, like we want Debo in a more traditional wide receiver role. Um, Jared Smala from uh, draft sharks put this out on, on Twitter, it, Debo averaged 13.8 expected half PPR points per game over his first eight games. And then 11.3 expected half PPR points per game over his final eight games in that hybrid role. But that comes back to what I said originally. The problem here is the situation that existed in those first eight games where Ayuk was totally cut out of the offense. That's never coming back again. Like that's that That, that role does not exist. So I actually think if you're going to draft Debo, you want him to get rushing work. You need. I think you oh, yeah. need him to get rushing oh, work yeah. to hit.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Listen, um, the wide receiver targets there in San Francisco—they ranked twenty-sixth out of thirty-two teams in terms of total targets being thrown to wide receivers. So again, there's just not that much volume to go around in San Francisco to support two great receivers. Now you could have one great receiver and, and just a bunch of average schmucks. Or again, if you're trusting the, the, first of all, you're trusting the, the RP analytics. If you're trusting the training camp reports and you're putting all that stuff into one giant black box, what comes out? Well, what it tells you is that Brandon Ike's going to be a good player this year. Well, okay, yeah. if he's good, there's not enough volume for there to be a good player and a great player. Back to my original point, which is, I think they're going to level out a little bit, and I think Debo's going to be a big time disappointment uh, in fantasy, and he's a player that I'm just given the price tag. I, I know I'm not going to draft. I know he's not going to be anywhere on any of my rosters because the the, the price is too high uh, for Debo. And dude, Debo had a great year last year, and he looks like an absolute savage uh so it's it's funny to even like suggest that but i i don't know i to me i I, like i'm trying to i'm struggling to figure out where does the volume come for come from to to support debo's price tag and and i just i can't find it man yeah i think we're on the same page
1: at the very least the gap is closing and um, my buddy at Yahoo, Dalton Del don actually think it's like a it's a straight coin flip, and he's a Niners fan. thinks it's a straight coin flip, and as like IU could outscore Debo this year, but yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. there yet, but I think at the very least the gap is
0: closing. You know, you know what we also didn't talk about in that San Francisco offense is the fact that okay, so IU got put in the doghouse, and you know who else got put in the doghouse too was third round pick Trey Sermon, right? So uh, we don't. Okay, so...
1: Don't talk to well, I'm kidding, the, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The
0: reason I bring it up, though, is, again, when we're talking about holes in this offense and where can they be filled by Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel's filling that filling that gap left behind by Brandon being in the doghouse. Bro, he ended up trying to fill that gap as well left in the backfield uh, by Trey Sermon, remember late in the season, as is always per usual for San Francisco running backs, they're always hurt. I don't know why. Well, I don't know what goes on in San Francisco, but running backs in San Francisco never hold up. I don't know why, um, you know, Jeff Wilson was banged up. Trey Sermon was banged up. Eli Mitchell's always banged up, right? So it's like, man, they had to fill the holes here. And, and then San what does San Francisco do? Then they go and invest in another running back. My God. Uh, in the draft as well, right? So now their running back room looks really crowded, with yeah. with players that actually could be pretty good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So again, uh, there's some positive reports surrounding tra- not some, a lot of positive reports yeah, surrounding yeah. Trey Thurman. Um, a lot, you know, Eli Mitchell's supposed to be the starter. Jeff Wilson's g- going to have a role. All of a sudden, it looks like a very crowded backfield. Again, again, going back to Debo that's going to take some work off his plate. By the way, the dude doesn't want to be in the backfield. He's let that be known very clearly. He doesn't well, want to do that.
1: He kind of threw some cold water on that. And they actually gave him bonuses in his contract like for rushing work. So the more rushing work he gets, the more he gets paid. So actually mm. I'm not as concerned about that as I was originally in the off season, but he certainly ideally would like to do more receiver stuff. But he said he's after he signed the con- no no kidding, after he got paid, he was like, "Yeah, I'm cool. I'll do it. Yeah, it's fine." <laughs> Reception the show now. now. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: Let's talk about C D Lamb. Uh he is a player, my God. I look at what he does and where he's gonna line up and um And this is a guy that to me has all the opportunity in the world to be the wide receiver 1.1, uh, in 2022. And and Matt, I, I know you're kind of on, on par with that with me, but man, the one thing that I, the major thing that I was pointing to last year and I said, and I point to it this year, but last year I said, okay, this guy's being taken as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver for him to be, for him to exceed those expectations. Generally speaking, again, Cooper cup aside, generally speaking, you need to be an outside X receiver to be again a generally a top five fantasy wide receiver. Um, you look at historically what all these guys do. It's historically just littered with outside X guys that are at the top of the food chain when're talking about fantasy wide receivers. And that's a role that that CD lamb played. But not very often, so yeah. he was used primarily out of the slot. As guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup were running around on the outsides, and I tell you what, when either one of those guys got hurt and CD Lamb got to play on the outside, that's when you saw the lid get taken off of his potential.
1: Yeah, well, I I, th- I agree with you. I think CD Lamb. It has been all offseason a great dark horse bet to lead the NFL in targets, lead the NFL in catches, lead the NFL in receiving yards. Um, because the opportunity in this offense is just enormous. It's oh yeah. it's CeeDee Lamb, oh, yeah. Dalton Schultz, <clears throat> rookie Jalen Tolbert, who I actually kind of like, and their receiver depth chart, it's like James. James Washington gets hurt, and they're like, "Oh Uh. no," (laughs) because (laughs) which is not good. But like James Washington's not good, so that's a tough spot to be in. Right. Um, when you look at this offense right now, C.D. Lamb, like, and by the way, Dallas plays the type of offense that you want from a fantasy angle. We again, we think of them as like a boomer ball team because they're so invested in Zeke Elliott and you know Jerry Jones, Smash Mouth football, all that stuff. But Dallas (laughs) is, uh, under the the last two years, under old man Mike McCarthy, Dallas is ranked second and seventh in plays run and second and sixth in pass attempts. Like, CeeDee Lamb doesn't even have to have a Cooper Cup type of 30% target share ceiling to walk into 170 targets. He can can be at, like, 26. You know, even 24, he can have a massive return on that. And I think there's a chance, given the guys around him, he walks into 30%. I agree with you about um, the role for CD Lamb. I think they kind of need to. They need to decide what they want Lamb to be. Like they can't do this. Okay, Michael Gallup's out now. He's an X receiver. Right. Now Michael Gallup is in now. He's a slot. <clears throat> they need to just decide what they want to do. Now, I think what they'll probably end up doing is taking that old Amari Cooper spot, like as a flanker and outside. Uh, in three in three person in 11 personnel three receiver sets and they'll have cd be that guy and he'll probably move into the slot a decent bit which is fine if he's like a 50 50 guy i'm totally cool with that because i think he's a huge upgrade on amari cooper he's a way better player and that's the thing like if you're going to be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy you're going to need to be tethered to a good quarterback check with Dak prescott you're going to need to be uh, owning a dominant share of targets in your offense. Yeah. Check. And you have to be good at football and CD lamb as reception <laughs> perception shows is good at football. 91st right. percentile success rate versus man coverage, 81.9% success rate versus zone 76.9% success rate versus press above the NFL average on all routes, but the post route last year, uh, he can do it all. So they want to line him up outside. That's great. They want to line him up in the slot. That's great too there's, he's going to, he's never going to leave the field. And I think that's the most important part.
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, and, and again, I hear what you're saying. I, I, from a fantasy perspective, don't want to see a 50, 50. I would like to see more of like a 70, 30 where they do move him around, but let him stay on the outside and let him operate. And then, and again, it's, it's more of like that Devonte Adams type deal too, right? Where it's like, okay, you know, he's going to play on the outside and he's your outside guy. Right. But like, can you move him inside every now and again and kind of sort of, you know, and again, that that 70 30 split, by the way, that's pretty much exactly right on the nose. What we saw from Devonte Adams last year. Yep, that's that's what I would like to see um, in terms of that outside inside split with C D Lamb to, to really unlock what he can do. Because, bro, you, you turn on the game tape, man, you look at the, the analytics of it all, you know, the reception perception data again, top seven last year against man success rate. Um, you know, uh, w- was great against zone as well. You, you just look, everything tells there. you this. It's all there. This guy can play. He needs to get volume. Um, and by the way, half of the volume metric is air yards. And you talk about, you know, total targets, uh, pass attempts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's there for for Dallas, but also top five last year in terms of total air yards, um, and CD Lamb, if he's going to take home a bunch of that, which by the way he should, man, that is that is really really interesting. Again, top six uh, in total pass attempts, number four uh, in air yards last year was the Dallas offense. So man, there is a ton of volume to go around with CD Lamb, and let this man operate on the outside and see what he can do. Man, I think he can go absolutely ballistic. I love 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 taking him in the back end of the first round because again i mean matt what are you what are you looking at at the back end of the first round man like a bunch of question marks right like yep. am i taking am i am i going to take like somebody like Najee harris and you know what does that look like with all the workload that he's gotten the offensive line is still a, a big time project deandre swift to a degree it's like all right what what are we doing here it's like yo just just give me cd lamb and let's 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 move <laughs> on you know yeah. I, Shirt yeah, fire, a, I love it.
1: There's an argument, or you know, the naysayers like, "Oh, he's being drafted at his ceiling." Well, no, because his ceiling is the best player in fantasy this year yes. from the wide receiver position. So, I agree with you there, hundred percent. All all gas for Ceedee Lamb this year, man. All all gas. And I just one last point on the on the slot stuff. We yeah. do want him to get with the you know. There's a also counter narrative to Ceedee Lamb this year that well, he's going to get all the defensive attention, which is not really a thing. I don't think that ever ends up moving the needle for great players no. as much as we think. Um, there's just not as much double coverage as much as we think out there in the NFL. They also are going to have to dedicate resources to stop the running game because they they will have a good running game. I think Dallas will this year um, with Pollard and Zeke. But if he lines up in the slot, like we said with Cooper Cup at the top, it, it's harder to double the slot receiver. So he's right. going to get those advantageous looks. So it's it's good. 70-30 is a good split, I think. This is reception, reception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: You know who is an extremely controversial wide receiver right now? Gabriel Davis, man. Nobody. Like, I don't know what to do with Gabriel Davis. Like, what? What do we? I mean, he just went absolutely stupid stupid at the end of the year is that the real gabe davis or is the guy who has you know basically been an inconsistent player throughout his career is that the real gabe davis what does reception perception tell us about uh about gabe davis in this in this buffalo offense
1: yeah I, I'm sure you'll be shocked to know that um I am in, in the great Gabe Davis wars, I'm like a centrist. I, I find myself somewhere in the middle here because from a from a talent perspective, like reception perception, you know he's not a great separator thirty third percentile success rate versus man, thirty six percentile success rate versus press. Now, I will say that was a improvement from his year one to year two results. So there's a chance he could be kind of developing a little bit as a player, but I also think he might average out, you know, level out as a Devonte Parker type of guy. Um, and yeah. Devonte Parker, I think we'd all agree is, and at his best was an average NFL starter. So Gabe Davis, maybe he levels out as just an average starting receiver, but I mean, an average starting receiver in Josh Allen's offense, like pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's a, a chance that Gabe Davis um, doesn't, like I, I think he has a shot to come under 120 targets, which is kind of crazy for where he's being drafted on some platforms. I mean, I think he's the most platform sensitive guy this year because you you draft Ooh, on like best ball, point the best ball sicko sites. He's going as like a top 20 player in the fourth round. That's crazy. But like in your home league, you know, I, I've been saying all off season. I want to see where the normal people draft Gabe Davis, because if you've been drafting mm. fantasy teams, it's August 10th. As we're recording this, if you've been drafting fantasy teams before today, you're not a normal person. And that's OK. <laughs> we we love you. For we that. love you. We love we you. We love you. You keep the lights on, baby. Yeah. Keep being weird yeah. with us, man. That's great. Yeah. But you're not normal. The normal people I want to see. I think they'll draft Gabe Davis you know, at or below his consensus ranking, which is like wide receiver 29, 30. And, and there I'm fine taking the shot on Gabe Davis. But I do think the, the funny part is James, you know, it's, he's getting this promotion like now, you know, he's, he's totally the number two receiver, but we kind of already saw him be the number two receiver last year Uh, from weeks 15 on. He started all those games, including the playoffs. And he was over 80% of the snaps in all those games. Um, Here's, here's, here's his results. Uh, excuse me week 14 was the first game that he saw 80 plus percent of the snaps last year eight targets five catches for 43 yards a touchdown the next week five catches 85 yards two touchdowns week 17 he missed uh, week 16 because he was uh, on the COVID list three catches 40 yards zero touchdowns the final week of the regular season 14 targets 3 oh God. catches 39 oh yards God. And again that game is in his rp sample and he was t- terrible in that game <laughs> like there's a reason he got 14 targets and caught 30 39 yards worth of it
0: oh, there's my a God. reason for that 14 ne- targets bro holy hell he got 3 balls the, Jesus.
1: Ne- the next the next game in against the patriots when they blew him out 3 ca- 3 targets two catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. And obviously then he goes nuclear against the chiefs, Yeah, just 10 targets, two, 201 yards, four touchdowns. You don't get four touchdowns. You don't get 200 yards and four touchdowns without having a great game yourself and the defense screwing it up on the other end. I mean, again, that game's in his (laughs) RP sample and he's like, you know, guys are falling over back there in the secondary, just completely doing some embarrassing stuff. So I think Gabe Davis definitely has talent his RP profile would tell you that he can burn and he can win contested catches. So that's, that's good. I mean, that's great in this offense. I think he will be a volatile player. Um, yeah. and I find, like I said, I find myself being a centrist in this great Gabe Davis debate.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you hit it right on the head. What, what are normal people going to do? I think that's such a great point because again, the reason there is such, you know, you know, you talk about the Gabe Davis wars. It's like the reason why there's two sides is because all of us, not normal people, <laughs> are either drafting him way too high or just being like, "Yo, what are you? Why are you drafting him? Yeah. that high." Um, whereas, I think you're right. I think like a, a more normal fantasy football fan and more normal NFL fan probably won't be investing, won't be overdrafting Gabriel Davis, who on Fantasy Pros right now is number 77 overall wide receiver, 33. Which yeah, that's again cool. Good that price. seems. Yeah, that seems fine, right? Because at best, this guy is a low-end wide receiver two for a running back-heavy team, or for a more balanced team, he's your wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems, i l- dude, bro, I'd love to have Gabe Davis as a, as my wide receiver three in a three wide yeah. receiver setup, dude. I'd love that. Um, I have where drafted not-
1: Gabe Davis in that in that setup, like in the Scott Fishbowl. He's my third receiver. Love it. And I, th- I feel great about that. Actually, might be yeah. my I think he's my fourth. I think I took – yeah, I took freaking Debo in that league. Whoops. Uh, I took Debo, <laughs> and, and I, I think I went Debo, Mike Williams, Juju, and then Gabe Davis, and I felt great about it. Gabe Davis is my four.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, that being said, too, it's like I do understand the how enticing it is to take him in best ball because he could literally win you a week, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, again, I, I'd have to see what Buffalo's – You heard about this new thing, like, um, you know, stacking was a big old thing last year. And then now this year it's all about not just stacking, but then stacking in week 17, you know, uh, for, for best ball. Like that's the big thing. Now everyone's talking about stacking. Those guys
1: need to go outside. They need to go outside. (laughs) They need to push some grass.
0: So I don't know who Buffalo's playing week 17, but, but I don't know, whatever. (laughs) That's where we're at. I'm
1: pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I'm pretty sure it's cra- like a crazy game, if I remember correctly. Well. Might be like I'll the Jets it. or something? No, no. I mean, I think it's like a, a game that you can stack because they're going to score like a billion points. Um, oh, okay. Got you. I think oh, it's the, I think it's the Bengals. Yeah. So. Oh. I mean, okay. Yeah. That's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's that's why. That's why. Because uh, yeah, you, you oh, get the, the we Bengals week seventeen. You're doing your uh, here we go. You know, you're you're doing your total um, spreadsheet virgin. Uh, you know, stacks <laughs> with uh, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, a run it back with Jamar Chase, T Higgins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> that's those, it. Right there. Those- those guys definitely it. did
1: not they did not get a tan this summer. They did not get a tan,
0: this summer, <laughs> let's put it that way. That's the big one. That's the big thing. Uh this offseason is uh week 17 or week actually what is it now? Week 18. Week 18 stacks, you know. This this is where we're at. It's amazing. Uh this is Hey, great. and we love um,
1: you. We like you said, we love you for it. Keep, <laughs> keep keep us weird.
0: It's great. But no, I I it's like and again, I, you know, you look at his uh his reception perception data. Um you know it's relatively <laughs> below average in a lot yes. of spots yeah. uh, number ranked 34 out of what uh 56 charted players uh in in success rate versus man in success rate versus zone he ranked 41st that's again wh- where does he win um i guess you could say what contested catch he's pretty good with the yes. contested catch right
1: and a, like a nine route runner. I mean, he ran uh nine routes at a high rate and one there on the corner. Like he's like I said, he's a burner, pretty big, and can win contested catches. Now, I, like I said about the route success rate stuff, you know, he was yeah. at the 15th and 24th percentile success rate versus Man Impress as a rookie, and he was up at the 33rd and 36th. So maybe there's some growth there. Like if he takes another, yeah. mm-hmm. if he takes another step, I, I guess if you're drafting him at that, you know, best ball sicko ceiling, like you have to believe he's going to take another step as a player. And I also think you have to, I think you have to talk yourself into him shaving off targets from Stefan Diggs, And I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Like, I don't see that happening.
0: Well, I don't know. Is that true? Because like he could just step in and take all, all the targets that were going to, um, uh, uh, Cole Beasley, I, but I was do you like, see that not-
1: happening? I I don't think he's. I think Isaiah McKenzie's gonna have a role as the slot receiver. I agree. Receiver. And I, Knox agree. A tight end, I agree.
0: You know? Yeah. No, I agree. I, and actually, where are they gonna line up Dawson Knox too? Is it gonna be like a fake tight end like Gasicki? Because it might be. It actually oh, might yeah. be, you know, so. because they yeah because they they went in and and spent on free uh in the free agency, uh, period on a tight end too. So I, I almost feel like Dawson Knox is gonna be like that Gasicki role. They're gonna use Isaiah McKenzie. Where does Gabe Davis fit into that whole, you know, Rubik's Cube? I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be extremely I inconsistent. So, um, I, I love that Devontae Parker comp, just because, again, big, tall receiver, wins in contested catch, but doesn't really win in a lot of different areas. That's, that's, that sounds like Devontae Parker, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, like, no, I, think, I think we'd agree Parker's an average Starting yes. NFL receiver at best that got elevated by Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Ryan Fitzpatrick warhorse one year and yeah. I mean again you know yeah. Gabe Davis is going to play with Josh Allen like that's that's a great setup but the what the best analysis I think I've heard on um, Gabe Davis was when I was on the okay. established to run podcast with Evan Silva and he said it's going to be hard for Gabe Davis to fail in this role and I would agree I think it's going to be hard for Gabe Davis to fail in this role. I, I think it's just about managing expectations with it. Is, is my
0: well, opinion. but that's what I mean though. F- what does failure mean? If you're taking him, you know, again, his average draft, his ADP right now is 77 overall, but like, let's say you're playing with somebody and, uh, and again, when we're talking about the Gabe Davis wars, people are taking this guy like, you know, in the, in the top 50, right? So yeah, that's crazy. If you're taking him in the top 50, I could absolutely see him disappointing. You know, if you're taking him top 60, there's a lot of players in that top 60. That's looking pretty nice. Like Jerry Judy's in that range. Um, You know, Darnell Mooney's in that range. Alan Robinson's in that range. Uh, I could see him not doing as good as any of those guys. You know what I mean? Um, Now that being said, I I can also see him taking a step forward. And and being the the number two, uh, in this in this Buffalo offense. So and if that happens, then man, he's gonna then he then he takes off. Then he takes yeah, off. But he has to become that number two. But that question remains: Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, where does he fit in? By the way, they spent a high draft capital on James Cook. He's got to work in too. That's true. Um, they liked Evan They clearly solitary. wanted that.
1: They clearly wanted a pass catching back cuz they yes. tried to sign J.D. McKissick in free agency in Washington to exactly. last minute and they were pissed about that. Brandon Bean was pissed <laughs> about that. He was like publicly angry. So they clearly wanted a guy in that role they ended up taking James right. in the draft that guy
0: right so so again they're 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 trying to i feel like you know manufacture a short game they don't want to run it right down the pipe they can if they want to but manufacture a short game with the passing game right uh that's not gabe davis man (laughs) like that's that's not where he thrives you know that's not that's not what he does well uh so i'm interested to see what he does but right now he's one of those players where if you did have to pick a side and right now on fantasy twitter you got to pick a side on gabe davis i'm out I'm out Uh, in terms of Gabe Davis. Again, if he gets af- – if, if it's after pick 75, okay. I think that's a fair range. But before that, can't do it, man. I I just can't do it. He, he's too volatile of a player. Um, And, again, it all depends on team setup. And then we t- we hammer that, especially in this range. Team setup is huge, man. Um, yeah. And so maybe I take a stab at him depending on what my team setup looks like. But I would say generally overall. I'm definitely not – he's a player that I'm definitely not going to reach for and, and and once you say that, Matt, that means you're on the other side of the Gabe True. Davis debate. Debate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: it's it's so, hot yeah. out there, man. The, the debates. Oh are my
0: hot. gosh! Um, obviously, it has been a minute since we we've talked shop. We're gonna be back at it, man. We are gonna be back at it. We're we're back. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready.
1: <laughs> we are cannons. ready. <laughs> fire it up man fire up the take cannon
0: uh so we step away for today but we will be back at it very very soon stick with us two podcasts a week this season you ready for it matt let's
1: go oh yeah man i'm, I'm talking my ass off this season i'm i'm invested <laughs> in a lot of uh, uh mint tea and honey
0: oh yeah seven podcasts a week for your guy matt harman if you love matt you're gonna you're gonna love him this season man you're gonna get plenty of content we'll catch you guys soon we'll catch you on the flip side for matt harman james go peace